What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. Friday, August 28th. And you know what that means, baby? It is Podcast Friday. This is podcast number two on the day. We are going to be interviewing Daily Memphian columnist and Memphis legendary sports writer, Mr. Jeff Calkins. He will be joining the show today to talk about a little high school football, a little Memphis football, the Grizzlies, Tigers basketball, and so much in between. It's an interview that you won't want to miss. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on social media, on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore 8, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at The Mitch Davis Show, and also on YouTube and wherever you find your podcast by simply typing in The Mitch Davis Show. All of our shows are brought to you by S.Y. Wilson in Arlington, Tennessee. They're located in the historic Arlington, Tennessee Depot Square. Stop by there for all your collegiate apparel needs they've got also they got kayaks and fishing and all this other great gear there at sy wilson in arlington tennessee there on the historic arlington tennessee depot square i'm your host mitch davis and i would like to welcome my guest mr jeff calkins to the podcast today as we discuss all things related to memphis athletics I am joined now by a man that does not need an introduction in the city of Memphis, Mr. Jeff Calkins, who writes for the Daily Memphian. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. How's uh, how's everything been treating you the last several months? Well, I mean, it's been a, uh, several months like no other several months, that's for sure. But I can't really, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I have my jobs. My kids are healthy and in school. And uh, so, so compared to a lot of folks, um, I feel really fortunate, but of course it would be nice to have our lives back. I will say this before we get to talking about some sports uh, issues as well. You're a guy who has the most beautiful dogs on Memphis Twitter. Uh, talk about your dogs. we got, we got to we got to have some fun before we get into some serious yeah, the stuff. the funny thing is actually one of them, Willow, is my younger dog, is expecting a, uh, I, w- I was going to say a litter of puppies, but... <laughs> The x-rays seem to suggest there's only one puppy in there. So uh, so next week, I'm supposedly going to be blessed by another puppy. But yeah, I have two Bernie's Mountain Dogs. I had one previous one. They are gorgeous, lovely, friendly dogs. And the main reason I got them is just they're the kind of dogs that love everybody. You know, they love kids. They love other dogs. They love strangers. They love, they're easygoing. They don't need to be, uh, you know, they don't need to run 10 miles a day. They're, they're big, uh, stuffed animals, essentially. And um, and they make my life. I think dogs, I, I you know, just to, when you come home when there's no dog, um, it's a sad, for me, it's a, like a sad thing. You come home, the dogs are there ready to greet you. Um, even in this pandemic, especially during the pandemic, it's been nice to have the dogs who are great company. And you see that, honestly, because like all these shelters have had many more adoptions because people are home and they're saying, you know, what, what can we do with all our extra time? Well, let's, let's go ahead and get a dog. So um, I recommend dogs uh, thoroughly. Do you own one? I do. I actually have a Boston Terrier. Um Coco Bell, she's actually, I think she's 14 years old. We're trying to figure out her age, so she's getting up there. But I, uh, everybody in Memphis knows you and Ryan Silverfield, head coach Ryan Silverfield, as the dog people of Memphis. So uh, you guys are very active in the shelters and everything, and 
uh, as another dog owner to another dog owner, we really appreciate uh, your love for the for our for our friends, the puppies, the dogs. So um, let's uh, let's let's get started a little bit. Uh, we're we're going to start off with the bang. Uh, let's talk about the Carnival Media Ban. I know um, you know you wrote a pretty interesting column last week. I think it was last week uh, talking about that and talking about. Um, the repercussions of it and everything. Talk about your side of it and, and kind of where you're coming from on this. Well, first of all, I think it's over. Like, I don't, I, I, it's, the, the good news is, is that Collierville realized that what they were doing was inappropriate and um, the governor, the Republican governor, weighed in and said it was inappropriate. And I don't need to belabor the point at all. Like, this isn't something that I, you know, I like the folks in Collierville. It's a great community. Um, it's a wonderful school system. I think they just misjudged here, um, and and I and I and I get it too. Like everyone's trying to do their best, and they said, you know what? Let's just on this first one, let's not have anybody. We'll just call it private. Um, we can't do that in a public school system. If you're having a gathering of 650 people um, at a public school system, it's one of the biggest gatherings in our city since the pandemic began. You can't say, um, but we're not going to let anyone see what it's like. And it doesn't matter that the football game, okay? Like people say, well, you're just mad you didn't go to a football game. I was in Northern Michigan. I didn't care if I went to a football game. I didn't live out of football game. I just know that a public institution isn't allowed to have a giant gathering of 650 people um, during a pandemic and say, no one will then say if the media is not allowed to come. Um, so I made that point. Um, I think most people agree. I honestly don't think, at least on my side, I don't think there is another side that's rational. <laughs> there is no other side that's rational. Um, because the only other side, they're like, well, um, you stay away so some other parents can say, what they, they tried to say was, you know, it, we were able to get other parents in or something. Well, that's simply not true because we, we wouldn't have sat where parents sit. You know how it works. They yeah. like, tell you to go stand in a corner of the field. So literally, there's, and I, so to me, I don't need to belabor it. And the sad thing is that they then changed their policy and they weren't going to let media come this week. And then, of course, um, you have two players come down with or, or test positive for COVID and they have to suspend games for two weeks. And to me, that's the bigger question is whether they should be playing high school football at all. That's not, that's not specific fire, though. That's just anywhere. And um, and that's a question, you know, I, I don't really think there's much debate about that one either, but um, at least that one, I, I can at least hear the debate on the other side. There's simply no reason why if you're going to have a public gathering of 650 people, you can, and, and you can, you know, you can you can keep you can tell the media, yeah, we're not going to let people in. So I wrote that. Some people got mad, but it, it all well ends well. They changed the policy, and away we go. A little bit about the you know whether we should play or not. Is there a difference in the high school and college ranks whether or not we should be playing football this fall? I think there's two differences because I'm not opposed to colleges playing football, um, and there's two differences. One is colleges can test. They can afford to test. Memphis players, I think, are being tested twice a week now. Um, and so it's a very different situation from that perspective. If there is an outbreak, you know, um, you'll know that there's an outbreak and you'll be on top of it sooner. So that's one. And then, and, um, and then second, the second one is, is that to me, as we get our lives back in everything, it's just a weighing you know, what's worth it and what's not, right? Like, we, we, we knew that opening grocery stores, we had to do that. Yeah, there might be some danger, but, but people needed groceries, so grocery stores never closed, right? Movie 
theaters, on the other hand, we don't really need movie theaters, so they just very recently opened. Um, it's, it's, it's weighing risks and the benefits, right? And the school, for example, when you go to school, yeah, the, the, there's risk there. To me, it's very different than football, because football, you, school, you just need to be in school. We need to have kids in school. So the, the, to me, the cost-benefit there weighs on the side of, yeah, might be a little risky, but we, we, we got to have we got to have our kids in school. Um, with, with college football, um, unlike with high school football, um, it's pretty simple. There's millions and millions and millions of dollars at stake. So you could say it's just dollars, but like literally it's the future of the athletic department. It's why it wasn't hard for the Ivy League to say we're not playing football, and yet it is hard for the SEC, right? The, the, the risks are the same for both. The difference is what's on the other side of the ledger. For the Ivy League, where there's no money involved at all, they're like saying, yeah, we don't need to play football. For the, for the SEC, where it's hundreds of millions of dollars, they're saying, yeah, same with the Ivy League, but we got to do this because we need to play football. And if you look at, so to me, high school is much more like the Ivy League, the League, or whatever else. There's no money at stake, really. And so um, how can you, when you have high schools that aren't even meeting fully in person yet, right? I mean, some are, but some aren't. Some are meeting wholly virtually. Some are meeting in a hybrid way. So you come one week and then not the nether, or you come Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and not Tuesday and Thursday, or depending on the school system, there's all kinds of... So if you can't have full-time school in some school districts, how in the world can you justify having high school football? Um, I, I don't really get it. I don't, I don't think... I don't think it, when you're weighing the cost-benefit analysis, I think that one is a uh, is a much easier cost-benefit analysis than um, than it is for college football, where you're looking at financial ruin on top of everything, and so that changes the calculus. Jumping over to the Memphis Tigers, they open up the season next week against Arkansas State, which is a very tough opponent uh, to open up your season with. What do you see early on from Arkansas State, and what do you expect out of Memphis this season? Well, it's funny because typically, this time of year, I would have been out to practice, um, you know, lots and lots of days. I would have seen what they're doing. We would have had uh, spring football. We would have, uh, you know, the spring football game. Um, we would have, and I would have written, you know, a dozen columns about. Uh, various, uh, you know, position battles or, you know, rising stars or whatever. One of the really interesting phenomena to me is at what point are we going to start thinking about the football season from a competitive enterprise, you know, caring about the football rather than just is it going to happen? Because I'll be honest, I, 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 one of the, I, I love Memphis football. I love covering Memphis football. The Cat Bowl was just an absolute blast. But every time Memphis football accomplishes something big, it's been a personal highlight. When they went to the New Orleans Bowl the first time, the Motor City Bowl with D'Angelo's last game was a, I think that was a, yeah, it was a, was a total blast. The, um, the, uh, you know, getting to the Cat Bowl was fantastic. Uh, the, the, down there in Miami Beach where they beat BYU, you know, they, they, some of the real highlights of my sports writing career have been around Memphis football. Um, but I have had a hard time getting to the place where I'm thinking about the actual um, season here. Because I'm all uh, what I'm always thinking about is whether there's going to be a season. So 
I don't know much about Arkansas State, except they were good last year. And with respect to Memphis, I mean, I think, as you saw, like, to have a magical season like you had last year, everything has to go right. You know, and everything doesn't go right every year. The SMU, you know, the uh, Tulsa kicker doesn't always miss the field, right? Yeah. So, um, so it's hard to expect that. Having said that, if you look at them on paper, when you've got your leading rusher back, your leading, you know, your experienced quarterback back, your best wide receiver back, and then you mix in a new defensive coordinator who I presume is going to um, have the the defense at operating at a higher level than last year, like they should technically be better than last year. Um, but last year, everything went right. Last year was one of those magical seasons. So um, I expect them to be very good. Um, but but then the other thing is, is that how do you know how this COVID thing is going to play out? If they have to quarantine the whole offensive line one game, well, they, you know, they can lose. So um, I think it's, it's unpredictable. And um, but I do think you, you can take some comfort in thinking that the Memphis Tiger football team will be good. Now, how good? Uh, whether they'll just be you know very good, or whether they'll be magical again, that remains to be seen. Let's talk a little bit about Ryan Silverfield. Everybody, the excitement is there. Uh, personally, do you think this this is the right coaching hire for the University of Memphis going forward into the future? I think it was the right hire. And I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, I mean, I think it was a, a, in that moment it was a very good choice, and um, and I think you've seen it, um, you've seen it uh, that that reaffirmed by a couple things: one, the level at which he's recruited, and two, the way that he that the staff he's put together. I'll say three things: the level he's recruited, the staff he's put together, and three, the way he has been able to shepherd his team through this totally. Uh, bizarre season with both the pandemic and then the Black Lives Matter issues, etc. That he has been able to negotiate that. The continuity in his relationship with the team um, has been critical to help him negotiate that and the trust that they have in him. And so, for all those reasons, I think it was right now, it looks like it was the right hire. Now, the truth of the matter is, if you had asked Memphis basketball fans if Josh Pastner was the right hire, after his first offseason, before he had coached the game, they would, every single one of them would have said yes, because he had the continuity and because he was a great guy and he wasn't Calipari and because he was recruiting at a high level. Then he started to coach. And once he started to coach, people very quickly changed, not quickly, over a period of years, changed their mind on Josh. So you never know, I guess is that's what I'm going to say. You never know how it's going to go once Ryan Silverfield actually starts coaching games and we see the product on the field. But in terms of does it look like it was the right hire right now, and of course it does. It absolutely does. And really more so than when the hire was made. I mean, it was a wildly popular hire when the hire was made. Um, But I think it it, it has only gotten better and more promising since then. Um, So, yes. I've got two more questions for you. One fun that we're going to close with, and then the uh, second to last question. Talk about Landers Nolly uh, switching over to the hardwood, uh, being declared eligible. Talk about you know your expectations for Penny Hardaway, and I think it's what his third season uh, as the Memphis head basketball coach heading into the new season. Oh, I mean, it's incredibly good news. And I, more than anything, I think people remember that for this team, 
scoring was an issue last year. They were great defensively, but who do you go to if you needed a bucket? Right against Georgia down the stretch, or against SNU down the stretch. They needed buckets and got them out of And uh, And pressure was great. Precious was great and carried that team a lot, but he couldn't really create his own shot, right? He was a, he could get an offensive rebound. I mean, he, he carried that team on his shoulders. Maynard Nolly's a different kind of a guy. And, you know, he's a big, strong guy, but he's a wing, fundamentally. He can shoot it. And in those moments, he will, he'll be able to, along with DJ Jeffries, uh, who was sorely missed, obviously, at the end of last year, you've got two guys who can do, um, you know, who, who can win games for you. And so I think it's extraordinarily promising um, for Memphis to have them. You know, the only the only question with Memphis is, A, is there a season? And B, does the NCAA come down and smash them, you know, before the NCAA tournament begins? Um, but if you take away those two caveats, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that the Penning Hardaway era has been a success in that He's brought enthusiasm back, he's brought fans back, he's brought talent back, he's brought whatever. It's been a success. But it hasn't been the success that people wanted in terms of achievements on the court. Um, and and the nice thing is is that right now you see he's reloading, right, whether, whether it's Landers Nolly and Musa Fise, and it wasn't just like one shot had to win with James Wiseman, that was it. Here we are, he's still rolling. Um, and that's all very promising. So I, if it weren't for the threat of COVID and the threat of the NCAA, which both those threats are real, although I'm honestly at this point more worried about COVID, I mean, the NCAA than I have about COVID in terms of the Memphis Tigers, um, you know, you should be giddy with excitement. As it is, I still think there's a lot of reason to feel pretty good about that program. Last question I have for you, and this is a two-part question for fans uh, of your work mm-hmm. and across the city of Memphis to get to know you more. Uh, first, what do you like to do in your downtime if you ever have downtime? And second, what is your favorite barbecue place in the city of Memphis? I'll start with the second one first. I don't. That question to me, it comes down to what you like. You like I like different things from different places, right? I don't have a favorite barbecue place. Um, I love the barbecue plate with the Texas toast at the barbecue shop because I love the Texas toast. I think that's great. I like, I think Central is really good across the board, whether it's fries, wings, nachos, everything. I like Central very well. I, I think the Rendezvous has the best barbecue nachos, and I think it has, the brisket is stunningly good. Um, and I don't know that people get it enough. So uh, to me, that's how I do it. The the uh, you, you go through and you get different things at different places. Um, I do. I will say that the rendezvous to me, people will say all the time that it's overrated. Um, I think people say it's overrated so much that it's underrated. Um, the, the now I don't love the ribs. I'll be honest. I like wet ribs better. I like Corky's. I like Corky's. I, I prefer Corky's ribs to rendezvous ribs. I make no bones about that. Um, and the rolls, of course, these are delicious too. Um, but the um, but but in terms of the atmosphere, there's no place that's better than Rendezvous. And in terms of the in terms of the barbecue nachos, oh, the sausage cheese plate, and the brisket, there's no place that's better than the Rendezvous. So I think people, you know, I think you can uh, assemble your own collection. Um, you know, my kids, uh, what the heck's the name? Uh, 
my kids like there's one out by Lausanne where they went to high school at the end, and that's um, that they went to um, a lot. So, you know, it, 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 I, I'm a novice at this. We didn't have barbecue growing up, but I've come to love it all. In terms of what else do I do? The truth is, when you're a dad of three boys, I have mostly spent my life either working or taking care of my boys. That's what I've been doing. You know, I schlep them around. Uh, they go to, you know, cross-country practice or tennis practice or tuba lesson or, you know, this and that. I'm being a parent. I'm raising my dogs. And I'm raising, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm working on the radio. And I'm working uh, for first the CIA and now the Daily Nazia. Beyond that, I don't do much. I run. I used to go to movies and eat out. But I can't do that. I've got a huge family. I've got eight brothers and sisters, so I go see them occasionally. Um, but that's essentially my life. Is there any other Memphis news that you can possibly talk about? Maybe Job ja Morant, one last thing. Uh, I'm going to ask you about Job ja Morant. What is the future of the Grizzlies like? I, I meant to ask you that earlier um, in the podcast. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's brilliant, right? I mean, the future is brilliant, but they have to do, now they have to continue to make good decisions. You've seen that with, I mean, really, this year has been maybe the, one of the most important years in the, in the history of the franchise because of the way they've transformed themselves, set the stage for the next generation. But, they now they have to, um, you know, they got to keep making decisions. You see in Philadelphia when they got, you know, it looks like with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they look like they're doing, you know, all kinds of assets that are doing great, and then they squander those assets, and so, um, and then you're sort of stuck. So uh, it's an incredibly important time that they have had, uh, but they got to keep at it now and keep making smart decisions during this um, during this off season. He is Jeff Calkins. Tell them where they can find you on social media and your radio oh, show and all your work. You know, listen, 92.9 FM ESPN, that's from 9 to 11 every single day, and um, every single weekday. And follow me on Twitter, at Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, underscore Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S. Hey, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you next Saturday. I'm doing it. I appreciate it. So long. Thank you. Bye-bye. You have been listening to The Mitch Davis Show. A very special thank you to Jeff Calkins of the Daily Memphian for coming on the podcast today. To talk all things Memphis-related, sports-related news and information. Uh, it was a very fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, and also everywhere else by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and on YouTube, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts on Google Play, Apple Music, everywhere, SoundCloud, by simply typing in The Mitch Davis Show. Very special thank you to our sponsors as well at S.Y. Wilson in Arlington, Tennessee on the historic Arlington, Tennessee Depot Square. Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend and enjoy Central Arkansas and Austin Peay Saturday night at 8 o'clock on ESPN.